3: Hello, everybody. It's Ray Harkins, and you are getting a bonus episode this particular week of a very, very fun thing that, you know, I think I'm going to start doing, I don't know, whether it's once a quarter, once every couple months, whatever, where uh, it's uh, it's going to be a buried treasure episode. So, uh, you know, for those of you that listen to this on the regular, you'll realize that uh, this is not the usual, uh, you know, interview-based thing. This is going to be more so a very, very loose conversation based around music that is just frankly forgotten about. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drill down into specific music genres and like pretty specific, not just like, oh, here's forgotten about punk records, because, you know, you can find that basically anywhere on the Internet that people are writing stuff. So I want to get super specific. And uh, I was texting with my friend Shane Told, who is the uh, vocalist of Silver Scene and also does a great podcast called Lead Singer Syndrome. And I kind of was like, you know what, this would be fun. Like what, what, what genre of music should we do? And, uh, you know, him and I threw a few ideas around and ultimately we landed at skate punk. And, uh, that is a very oft recognized as very influential music scene. And Shane and I could not agree more. And so we, we really went in the archives for this one, but fortunately, It's not so in the archives where it's like, oh, yeah, this forgotten about demo tape from a band in, you know, northern California. It's it's stuff that you can still find on some music streaming providers or you can easily find on YouTube. So uh, I'll include some links and we'll actually play some music in the show as well. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, that's the fun stuff we're doing here. So, um, yeah, I I, no no other reason other than I just wanted to share this fun conversation with you. So, uh, yeah, here you go. Here is me and Shane talking about skate punk. Buried
2: treasure. Yeah.
3: So that's uh, – yeah. I, I mean anything else that you uh, wanted to do on this thing? No,
4: I think let's just, let's just wing it, man. I think, yeah. I think we got enough enough hilarious <laughs> old stories and content and like probably some actually pretty cool stuff no one talks about anymore. Yeah. You know, that, that people our age will remember. So I'm stoked.
3: Well, I, I think too – I think the, the valuable part about these things too is the fact that it's like it, – it, People of all ages, this serves. I mean, it serves people like you and I who, you know, pay way way too close attention to everything else that exists in the music world. But then it also, you know, I mean, how many times has it happened to you where... Uh, you know someone introduces you to something that is older than you and you're just like oh wow like I actually really really like this or whatever right
2: right yeah oh
3: but the uh yeah so I you you were getting a a bonus cool episode of uh what I like to call the buried treasure series even though technically it's not a series it's just whatever I feel like doing these things Perfect, <laughs> but I'm I'm here with one of my spectacular friends, Shane Told, the host of the. Uh, yeah, I'm not even. You're you're not even getting Silverstein as like a lead billing anymore. You're getting podcast as right? number one, dude.
4: Yeah, it's getting it's getting kind of crazy, man. I don't know what's happening. I, I I'm 70 episodes in. Can you believe that? It feels like I just started. The episode number 70. I know. So it's it's wild, man. But the the podcast it's been fun, man. It's been so fun. And uh, we become closer on account of it, I think. So that's great, too. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I would be lying if, if I was – if your podcast – if I said your podcast wasn't a huge inspiration for my podcast. Absolutely was.
3: Well, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, it's the same – principle as everything else that exists in entertainment where you listen to something that is you like and then you're like I think I could do something that's similar to that like I am probably not going to be as good but I'll do my own thing on it and that's 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 all that we do absolutely man no
4: it really is and it kind of goes a little bit with the topic of today's discussion yes I, I because when I was a kid I was just trying to copy these bands we're going to talk about. That's all I wanted to do.
3: <laughs> I love it. I I because I mean, the the I just got the inspiration where I was just like you know what like Shane and I need to hang out and talk about a a uh, often forgotten but a incredibly foundational aspect of both of our musical upbringings and many other people's musical upbringings that got influenced by you know punk and hardcore and stuff is the uh, the 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 genre of skate punk as it were. That's right, <laughs> and we just we decided to pick. Yeah, yep. I was just say we decided to pick three bands a piece, and these are uh, these are bands that are uh, not you know because we're gonna gloss over the main players in the industry, as it were. You know, your No Effectses, your Good riddance. Right. everyone knows about those, right? Right, <laughs> and so we're we're going. You know, I would say even like third level deep, where
4: yeah, I think you're going a little deeper than I'm gonna go. Um, that, that's fine because cause two of the bands you're you, on your list
3: I think I've never even heard of before yeah and I I, I so. will I will, de- I will deviate from one of them so I I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna bury the lead just because yeah I named I named a band called Donuts and Glory which was like that was actually just to give you the proper context. So yeah, there's a band called Donuts and Glory. Uh, they were here from Southern California because it was a. If I'm not mistaken, and uh, apologies for not doing the due diligence on this, but it was a side project for one of the dudes in Homegrown, and it was like his version of wanting to do like a more aggressive, quote unquote, hardcoreish project. Interesting. I didn't because I, I, I was I was listening
4: to to literally right now. Yeah, and, and it's pretty good, dude. Like totally. <laughs> It's very technical. Like the music is really well recorded. Vocals
3: are terrible. To horror, as most of them are at this era. I know, man. You know
4: you know what's funny? Like like just thinking about this whole thing and going back and thinking about oh what, what some of the like smaller bands in, in the skate punk genre. So many of those bands, they used to put on this like fake, like kind of shitty punk voice. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like trying to be Fat Mike. Uh, or what that was. But it was such a common thing. Like one of the, I'm probably gonna jump around and talk about all kinds of kinds of bands. But there was a band that Connor from Boys Night Out used to play drums in, called Gym Class Joke. Okay, and they had the same thing. They had this like like very kind of shitty like uh, da, da, like punk voice, which is so contrived. But I think it was just resulted from like kids you know, high school kids probably starting these bands just trying to sound cool. Right. You know? (laughs) Totally. And it's so funny. And Donuts and Glory had, like, the epitome of that, man.
3: Yeah. We used we actually joked around, because Taken, we recorded our demo in our first 7-inch at Double Time Studios in San Diego, and the two guiding principles of us wanting to record there was one, Unbroken's Life, Love, Regret was recorded there, and Blink-182's Cheshire Cat was recorded there. (laughs) And so we, we like, uh, we joked around where uh you know because the punk voice that you're talking about albeit a little bit different but you know blink 182 had it all over cheshire cat and we called it and not like the aggressive punk tone but like the very nasally punk tone yes and uh, granted you could argue the pop punk tone we actually joked around that it was like uh we called it studio studio nose plugs so we always joked around with the, uh, the producer, Jeff Forrest there. Uh, and we were like, Hey, where's the uh, studio nose plugs that, uh, that Tom DeLonge used <laughs> and, and he just cracked up. But yeah, no, I think you're totally right, Shane. It's one of those things where you just, you hear a style and you don't sound like it, but you want to emulate it.
4: <laughs> yeah, man, it's funny. And it's, it's, it's another thing we should talk about too, is just geographically where we both grew up. I mean, I'm sure your listeners know you're from Southern California, uh, I grew up in the Toronto Canada suburbs and what's kind of crazy is like a lot of people don't know skate punk was huge in Canada and it's still actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. Like if, if uh, you know, some of the bigger players come through uh, you know, the ones, the ones we won't <laughs> talk about, they're still playing like huge venues here. Right. And, um, and there was a big similarity between what was going on in, in Southern California and what was going on in Canada. But, but we pretty much just were wanted to be you guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, totally. But you know what I mean? But, but I guess my, my point of that is just like, how, my question for you is how big were those those bands like you must have seen them like the the bands in that scene
3: yeah it was it was a really strange thing to be a part of because i mean i'm i'm 36 years old so like when i first started to go to those sort of shows i was you know between the ages of like 12 and 14 like right as things started to explode of that genre you know i mean i saw uh, Offspring, quicksand, and no use for a name. When I was like about fourteen, I had no clue who no use for a name or quicksand were. I just went to see Offspring because they played. Of course, they played the Brent Event Center, which is like a huge. I mean, uh, you know, it's a state, not a stadium, but it was a you know a gym where it was like, gosh, I don't know, but you could probably have like five thousand people in there or something like that. But it was, it was massive. I also remember a show that I went to uh, that really spoke to the like largeness of it not so much in the venue but just i remember how insane it was where it was like they decided to do it was like uh rancid uh offspring but offspring wasn't billed um and then there was a there was guttermouth as well so it was basically rancid (laughs) rancid and guttermouth with a secret offspring um i didn't know that because i was you know a child but i it was it was at a college campus in orange uh, at chapman college but it was one of those things where when i showed up there getting dropped off by my parents it was just like there are so many people here and i don't know how they're going to fit everybody in here and yeah a simple answer to your question is it was massive but not in way like you just felt like it took huge leaps where it's like you know blink would be playing showcase theater and then all of a sudden like a year and a half later you're like oh so they're you know playing huge radio rock festivals now it was just wild
4: right I mean my i more mean like the local side of things you know what I mean like like the, the smaller bands that were playing at what is it like the showcase was a sure was that was that your your local venue or the corona theater
3: there was, you know I'm just thinking of like
4: venues I heard about when I was a kid in California
3: yeah well there was, you know? there was probably coo's Coup, cafe as well in Santa Ana that was another, okay yeah yeah that was another one you guys never played there you because you guys played showcase your first time out here I'm we sure.
4: no I think we played corona theater Actually,
3: it, no. It was called well, it, it, Corona. Oh, Corona, California. That's yeah.
4: it's in Corona, right? Right. I'm I'm totally mixing it up.
3: No, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. it's show, showcase theater in Corona, right? But uh, but yeah, all the I mean, there was so many bands that are completely forgotten about to time that you know could pull four to five hundred people. Um, I know at these places, but it's like you know they if they toured outside of you know Southern California, no one would know who they are. And it's like, it was just such a weird, in the same way that you have bands from Southern Ontario that, you know, made a big mark in your area and no one has any idea who they are outside of it. That's right.
4: That's right. And I I want to talk about at least one of them, but, uh,
3: no, it's, it's, it is, it is a wild thing though, man,
4: how, how. You know, you talk about those local bands and, and what what is that X Factor? Like what makes them the band that gets out, you know, from that era. Yeah. It's really it really is a, a kind of a crazy thing. And my answer when I was thinking about it is uh, I have one answer.
5: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: at purdueglobal.edu
4: okay it is fat records that is the answer because fat records controlled everything in skate punk yep and any all those bands that had songs on the compilations like those the survival of the the fattest Mm -hmm. comp and you know the, the, the one fat music for fat people or whatever it was before that yep those bands just exploded oh yeah and um the first band I want to talk about was, is, uh, was on one of those compilations, and they were uh, called Diesel Boy. Mm-hmm. And um, what I like, I have a couple stories about Diesel Boy that I think are so funny. The first one is my friend in high school, when I was 17 years old, got a job touring with them, and just went, and maybe he was 18, but he was really young, and they just took him in their van, and he went around America with them for like years, I don't know why. Like my friend from Oakville, Ontario, Canada, uh, just got in a van with diesel boy. And yeah, he's like, it was great, man. I just sold merch and got drunk every night. It was just like, this is wild. Why do they want this 18 year old kid, uh, with them? So that was hilarious. And another thing about them, they were kind of supposed to be this like, big band mm-hmm. um i don't know if you remember honest dons
3: yeah that well, they, which
4: was the offshoot of fat
3: yeah because they, they, they weren't technically on fat but they were on honest dons I, mean, I think they put out like a seven inch on fat but yeah
4: right so what i think that was like what fat mike was trying to do was kind of trying to build this like second label and and, and diesel boy they really were like the flagship band on that label that really never went anywhere totally. and i think it's and I think part of it was that the band wasn't very good.
3: Yeah, it's arguable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. Definitely, uh, it was weird, too, because that band, uh, I mean, they, they were from Northern California, but they didn't really play. I mean, they played Southern California a decent amount, but they definitely weren't in... Um, the regular circuit of bands that would uh, be playing down here. Um, I mean, right. that they played down here, but like, I want to get, I want to say that the reason that you were probably so impacted by those dudes was that, uh, they, I mean, they were huge in Canada. Like they toured a ton of there. They did. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I mean, that's why my friend, you know, met them in a show and said, Hey, take me with you, you know? And they were like, okay, I don't know. Right. We need somebody to, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, I don't even know if he lied about his age or how that happened. Um, but I mean the song, the song titty twister from the survival of the fattest comp. I mean, that song is like classic talk about it's classic. Yeah. It's it's a gimmicky song. Uh, I haven't heard it in a few years. It's probably pretty badly recorded, right? but like, yeah, that you cannot, (laughs) that, that song is something, man. And that song was, was a huge impact. Yeah. Well, uh, but I think they just didn't have the talent or the, the, you know, really anything to, to continue and be a real band, you know, like for a long time, I think they put out like four records, but it wasn't very, like they're, they're probably playing like 250 cap rooms maximum.
3: Right. Toward, towards the end. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let, let's, yeah. let, let's take a trip down memory lane and listen to, uh, you know, 30 seconds of the song just to, just to give people a taste. Cause I, the, the whole point of this is to introduce you to bands that, you know, might not have dated that well, but at the same time, like you, you can't listen to it and be like, oh wow like that that's actually still stands up or that like at least parts of it right.
4: still hold all right. right well y'all let's do it titty twister by diesel boy get a bag of
2: shit And she's fed beer on me And my pants falling down Said you're a no good i up done just punk rocker With a bad haircut
3: So there, uh, there was uh, there was Diesel Boy. That was uh, yeah. I, I I also remember. I just had the only memory I have about that band too, because I, I think I only saw them once. But their their whole thing was funny songs. Because didn't they have a record called "So Fucking Cool"? Like Sofa King,
4: Sofa King Cool. Yeah. So fucking cool. yeah so fucking cool. <laughs> Which is so not cool. <laughs> but you know, yeah, they had Dad and they had like a song. Uh, I remember about like Drew Barrymore or something uh-huh. being like in love with Drew Barrymore. And then they had like, Oh, I think their first seven inch was called the strap on seven inch. and had like a picture of a strap on, on a, on the cover too.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's so, yeah, d- definitely, uh, those things don't age very well. Those jokes. <laughs> no,
4: they, they really don't. But,
3: um, I transitioning into a band that I want to talk about, uh, in, in a similar, um, well, at the same exact record label, uh, a one-and-done record from a side project of snuff called Guns and Wankers, and the, <laughs> this again was, you know, part of the. Uh, I want to say it was on, yeah, the Survival of the Fattest comp, um, which, it, like, I wish that I had like a million dollars to be able to do a like sprawling investigative story of how many people that that comp affected, you know, like, Oh man, like (laughs) just like, but I mean, not, not even people like in music, but just kind of like, uh, you know, people that like have gone on to like, you know, do like government jobs, like, you know, just the principles that people learned from like that comp, I don't know. I just, I find it so fascinating.
4: No, absolutely. I think like, like that comp and probably a couple like staple punk records, are, is, is is everything. And people talk about records like, you know, like you already brought the offspring and I would bring up like a record like Punk and with by no effects or rancid outcome. The wolves, I would argue that survival of the fattest is right there with those records.
3: Absolutely. Cause you had the lethal combination of cheap CD, uh, you know, a very valuable 20, you know, whatever, 18 to 20 songs. And it's like, that is undeniable as a kid. Like just yeah. Undeniable. But, no, and
4: some great songs on on those. Now Guns N' Wankers, because I, I own that CD. It's a great. I do own that CD,
3: and th- th- um, this, this whole this holds up like sonically, like it's recorded very well. And I mean, for the time, like you know, you can't just place it now and be like, oh, this is a band that exists in 2017. But uh, it's, it kind of sounds like it's recorded in a cave.
4: It's very <laughs> there's a lot of like it's... reverb or something going on on this on this record though, as I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean. Well, well, Guns N' Wankers, I don't know much about the history of Guns N' Wankers, except they have something to do with Snuff. Like, it's some members of Snuff, right?
3: Yeah, I think it was there. Because uh, I think every band went through this, that era, where it's like, I mean, Snuff by that time had existed for, you know, a while in the UK and really only started to make their name once they signed a Fat and put some stuff in yeah. here. But the uh, so many of those bands, like, maybe they wanted to be a little more faster or more aggressive, you know? And I think this was. From what I can tell and what I re- recall about it, this was their uh, effort to be like, "Hey, this is our more aggressive side of things," but we don't want to put it under the snuff umbrella. We have to call it "guns and wankers." <laughs>
4: right? What a name! Like what a whole thing. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean,
3: did you ever see them play? Oh no, no, because I didn't, Oh, I, I would be, pr- I would be surprised if they actually played a show because I think it may have only been a. Uh, uh, Re- like just a, a recording project, but I could be completely wrong. But
4: I have, I really don't know either. And it's it, it is it is truly one of those interesting things with it. Like a one, you're right, a one and done record that was, you know, pretty good.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I definitely, good. I definitely know that they. Are like, I'm almost positive they never came over. Like, if they did play shows, that they never came over to the states. That that I can be sure of. But you know, maybe they played some shows in Europe or UK or whatever. But um yeah but the song the song i wanted to play was the skin deep which was again from the survival of the fattest comp and that was uh just like the perfect gateway to that record and then you would get the record you were just like hey all the songs are very similar to that so this is great great buy on that but great uh, buy, yeah let's listen to skin deep then
4: There it is guns guns and fucking wankers g and w
3: totally actually oh yeah i i mean obviously they probably got this name from guns and roses like there's no way that they can- well yeah
4: that's that was my joke dude right. <laughs> so it, it, it's it, it's funny because it's like totally making fun of of like that whole thing, right? I mean, this probably came out in like '94. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you have to understand. Like, you got to figure, like, like User Illusion Two or whatever was like '92, right? So this was still like a big thing with the whole punks against the mainstream, you know goth not goth sorry like glam metal and and uh all that stuff like right like that was it had to be a huge thing
3: absolutely well yeah because i mean since since punk was such a pushback on that like, there's, right, like yeah, exactly. there, there's no way that that wasn't a direct response but yeah i don't know why that literally never occurred to me until right up to this moment and it's like wait a minute yeah i know <laughs> i'm a 36 year old adult and i'm now just realizing guns and R- wakers it's a is a shot of guns and roses yeah totally <laughs> Thank, thank, God we got right, to, thank God we got to the bottom of that, Shane. Thank you for, <laughs> <thanks> for <laughs> spelling that out for me. We used our brains, Ray. <laughs> so uh, what do you got? What do you got?
4: I got, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going too far off here. We can still use the Fat Records, um, uh, you know, uh, theory for a second more, longer. Uh, this is a band that they never put out a record on Fat Records, but they did appear on the Short Music for Short People compilation. Okay. And this band uh, was called Bigwig. Oh, yeah. And Bigwig out of New Jersey. So they were East Coast bands, so probably a little further removed from you.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, a little more of a hardcore band in a way, like a little bit more of a yelly band. They had some subject matter where they talked about like vegetarianism and veganism, yep. uh, which was something that I think in Southern California was a little less so. Uh, you know, and it was it's like, at least in punk rock, skate punk. Yep. Uh, you know, it was a definitely a thing in East coast, hardcore, uh, you know, like earth crisis being from, you know, the East coast and all like bands like that. But they were one of the only bands I remember being like, Oh, this is a punk band talking about hardcore things. Um, and that, this band, when I first heard them, I was like, man, this is like what I've been looking for. Like this band has it. They're like technical, they're fast. They have like pretty good songs. They have like an ability to be serious. Um, and I saw them play a couple times. They used to come up to Canada all the time, and they were like just one of my favorite bands.
3: Yeah, they they were. Um, I only saw them play once, and I think I want to say. That they played out here with ensign like they didn't go and they weren't on tour together, right. but they played out here together.
4: And um, Ensin's like kind of a hardcore band, you know, or maybe even you could say they're a full-on hardcore band. I don't know, but that's you know hardcore punk band. So it was a bit of a different scene than the like you know, uh, diesel boy, <laughs> you know, kind of thing.
3: Yeah, no, totally. Cause they were, well, I mean, to your point about Ensign, like they absolutely were a hardcore band because they put out records on indecision records and like, you right. know, they here in Southern California, they definitely were branded as such. And I remember it was a huge thing when Ensign signed with nitro records. Cause everyone was like, oh dude here's a hardcore band going to like a mainstream punk label what's this <laughs> what's this gonna mean or whatever but uh but yeah but anyways to your point about big wig yeah they definitely were i remember being attracted to them because of the uh well yeah the unmarried melodies record and i remember yes the the carrot x's on the the rabbit's hand and i was like dude is that a straight edge thing like is that right <laughs> i mean <See? laughs> that's
4: the thing they were a skate punk band that was talking about this kind of stuff that no one really did you know, except like no effects would make fun of straight, you know, straight edge and stuff. They were kind of like, they were more embracing it, you know?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Totally. But, uh, what song did you want to play? Uh, Oh, I want to talk
4: about the band more. Oh, please dive in. Please. I have so many things to say about this band. Um, first of all, apparently they were never on fat records, even though fat Mike thought they were awesome because he thought they sounded too much like propaganda. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, and they were on fearless. They they were on. Fear- well, they were on. I think they might have been on. Come, maybe they were. On, they were on fearless eventually. Yeah, I think they put out their two main records on fearless. Um, so that is. So that's kind of a cool thing, and you wonder if that band did end up on Fat, if they would have been like lag wagon big, you know. Because I think they had it. I think they had what it takes. Yeah. You know, to, to I, band.
3: I definitely agree. I do think, to your point, I do think that being for where they were from, I mean, made them unique, but at the same time, like if they were from California and like, like they, they could have, if good riddance did not exist, they could have filled that hole.
4: Maybe, maybe. I mean, Good Riddance was a lot more political. They were. Uh, I, I'm just saying, no. like, if you took Big Soundwise, Wig, maybe.
3: Yeah, if you took Big Wig, put them in Northern California, Good right. didn't exist. Like, Big Wig probably could have filled that, you know, even though, like you said, they weren't as political, but your, definitely, your point is taken. But,
4: but Big Wig was... I, I still think people that listen to this that, that know about skatepiker skate Punk are going to hear me talk about Big Wig and go, oh, fuck yeah. Because they were so influential, man. And, and I actually had a funny story with Jeremy from a day to remember Um, you know, the day to remember song that's like goes, you know, that that, it starts with that. That's actually, they caught that idea from a big wig song uh the second
3: song on um <laughs> do, you
5: know, do you know what
3: i'm talking about i, I have no idea because i i've never listened to one um, one song of day to remember but i oh okay well that's day, day to
5: remember
4: has a big song and it, they, it's a bit of a uh i don't say rip off it's a, it's a, it's the same idea inspiration and uh inspiration and so so that's the big wig song i think we should roll with right now it is called dent
3: Yeah, now I'll have to actually listen to the Data Remember song to, like, you know, A and B it to be like, oh, I see where that came from. You don't, you, you've never heard of
4: that Data Remember song before? Come on. you just, yeah. just, like, living in this world existing, you would somewhere along the line.
3: I mean, I have, like, I have heard, I, I've heard bits and pieces of it, but I mean, I would not be able to actually like identify well no i would be able to identify what data remember sounds like but i've just never uh, not to the point of where i would be able to be like oh yeah they're big song like i just don't know their big songs so to speak right so. right
4: no this is a big song and uh it, i thought it was cool and i asked jeremy and right away he's like he's like yeah man that's a uh, big way one of my favorite bands that's and a, i was like that's sick and i knew i knew it when i heard it yeah that's um a, that's but, a big but that's now. the thing man they're very very influential band a lot more uh, than i think they get credit for
3: yeah, well that that's I think that's pretty much uh, most of these bands on this list
5: are definitely yeah, like the definitely. Uh,
3: the uh, the underground influencers. Uh, definitely. Well, I want to introduce another band now. If you uh I have put the uh the topper on Bigwig.
4: Yeah, please. So, please so this ahead.
3: this is another uh, this is another Fat Records band. Uh, it's it seems like we've just coordinated our lists accordingly, but n- <laughs> it's the uh, this is well. The, so far, my bands, none of them have technically been on Fat Records. That's true. That's true. So you're you're going against <laughs> your the- you're going against your theory, but it still works. Uh, this uh, this band is called High Standard. So they were uh, they were from yeah they were from Japan. Um, they were basically the biggest thing to come out of Japan from the skate punk, uh, genre. And, uh, their biggest thing was, uh, again, I want, yeah, this, this was also survival of, on survival of the fattest. They did the, uh, California the first, the first song on the record too. Yeah. Right. And they did the, uh, California dream cover, um, but the the record, well, it's weird because I was doing some research on this last night, and so California Dreamin' was not on the U.S. version of their record growing up, but it was on the Japanese version, and I was just like, why? Like, why was that song not on the U? I mean, I guess just maybe for like publishing issues.
4: Probably, probably, yeah, probably, or maybe they wanted that song to be exclusive for the comp.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, I just remember being like, "Wow!" Because you could totally tell that they were from Japan based on the accents alone. Um, but they were so goddamn good. Like they just killed that song so well.
4: Uh, the song's great. That whole record is great, man. Yeah, it it and, because it wait for the sun. That's an amazing song. Yep. Oh man, there's so many good songs on that record, and the record after. Uh, Fight, like fighting fists or whatever, that record's pretty good too.
3: And the thing I loved about it too is that they totally, uh like, they did not slow down. Like their their records were just, just like, just hauling ass the whole time. Like, right. very little, like, oh, well, yeah, they'll slow down occasionally, but man, they just they hauled ass. And I love that about bands of the skate punk genre, where they're just like, yeah, you're gonna get a record that's like thirty minutes, and it just, you know, it's what you're gonna skate to.
4: Oh, I know. I, I love that too. And I, I don't know if it's just like being a bored teenager or what it was, but like all I wanted to hear when I was at like that age, you know, we talked about, the, you know, we're the same age. So, you know, between, yeah, between like 13 and 16 around that age, all I wanted to hear was like double time fast punk. And I wanted the song to be no longer than two minutes. Totally. And, you know, and if it was like, if I had to go through some kind of slow part or some kind of like mid tempo, I was like, not, nah, not for me next track give me the fast one and my parents hated it and i loved that about it and that's what that's what drew me in man and yeah. it's still like to me it's still my favorite shot it's funny we have two guys not known for playing skate punk <laughs> not talking not. about skate punk.
3: totally well because so. i because I, I think it was so uh i mean like we mentioned at the top it was so foundational in regards to just like the um even though so many of these bands, you know, fall under the genre, they all had their lane, so to speak. You know, like they all were, yeah. you know, like you said, Bigwig was, you know, a little more political, and um, they, even though they all had the same principles, they all sounded so different to a person who's listening to a lot of these bands. You know, if you played it for your parents, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's horrible. Like, what, what is this?" Of but, course, you know.
4: no, my 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 parents would hear this, this this type of music, and of course, I was playing it too in my my old punk band, Jerk Circus. And my parents, my dad would go, the drums, man, they're they're off time, they're off time. I go, no, they're not off time, they're they're fast, they're double time. Right. <laughs> and he didn't understand. He's like, he's like, it's off time. Right. And I'm like, it's not off time. That's just what it is. Right, right. <laughs> Dude, that's so, um, that's so funny. Did you do you realize? Do you, or do you know how massive high standard well was slash is in Japan?
3: I no, I mean, I never uh, in in going the couple times I've been over there to tour. Like, I've never seen anything in regards to them. But I mean, I just remember the 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 lore of the fact that they were just massive.
4: Oh oh, no, no, like they're it's like insane. It's insane over there, Ray. Like, I I remember one time I walked into like they have these kind of weird stores. They're kind of like gift stores in Japan where they have all these kind of gaggy things. Like, sort of, like, half toys, half shirts, half movie posters, and it's just kind of stuffed, like, all over the place. And they have these little corners where they'll they'll play, like, something they're trying to sell. And they had a whole high standard, like, wall with, like, shirts and, like, DVDs and CDs and stuff of the band and random merchandise. And then they had a TV playing one of the high standard like reunion shows i want to say from like 2000 and let's say 2011 or 2012 they were playing in a stadium that's amazing there there was like i don't know if it was at the tokyo dome or where the hell it was but it was like we're talking about like fifty thousand people singing every word to high standard like they are huge in japan it's crazy
0: wow
3: that's yeah i i mean that i had no idea I, I knew they were huge. I mean, just based on the fact that it was like you know they. Uh, it seemed like they were the uh, the chosen sons from that country. Because I mean, you know, so many bands that popped up here in the states that weren't from here were you know kind of destined. It, it wasn't like there was a uh, multiple bands from like the UK or Germany or you know Spain. It was like. A band, like or, or I just remember that band, Useless ID. They were from I think they were right. from Israel. Israel, yeah, yeah. So, well, of course we know that, <laughs> but like it, it seemed like there was only one band that kind of came from each category. So right, and so yeah, I just find it so interesting. But yeah, I would assume.
4: Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And like you talk about, like Wizzo is the band also on Fat Records from Germany, and they were huge in Germany too.
2: Right, right. Um,
4: but I mean, I think like it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, this band's from there, so they've got to be big where they're from but high standard was like just it was like next level like i can't believe how big they are and i guess the guy one guy's still like you know doing it he's got a solo project or something that's like big over there too so that's amazing
3: i love that yeah it's wild
4: Savings products insured by NCUA investment products are not insured not obligations of Navy federal and may lose value.
3: Yeah so what's your uh, what's your next pick? or final, uh, fi- is this your final pick is this yeah
4: this uh, yeah this is this, I would say this is my final pick okay um, and this is a band I know is a bit polarizing with with you perhaps and uh, with maybe a lot of people. <laughs> and this is a little bit of a newer band uh, that came sort of out, out of the, the ashes of the skate punk genre. And I want to talk about Rufio. Rufio! <laughs> and <laughs> Exactly. And what was kind of crazy about Rufio was they were the... Do you remember mp3.com? Absolutely. And mp3.com, for people that might not remember or have forgotten, it was basically like a, free, a way to get free mp3s of music um, of a lot of bands, but mostly it was like smaller bands like local bands and stuff. Yep. There were some bands that were like signed, but not really. Um, but it was a big thing. And the top of the charts was Rufio for some reason. This, this very fast skate punk was the top of the charts. And since the website was so big, cause it was giving away free music, which at the time wasn't a thing. The band got massive, like hugely successful on the internet. I would argue they might've been the first like internet famous band.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think um, because I mean, I do remember that popping up. I mean, because and they they were from Southern California and I'll share my anecdote about them. So like my um, one of my high school buddies, uh, this guy named Nick Bogartis, who went on to manage Thrice and um, he also managed managing Rufio. Um, He managed Cold War Kids for a bit. So he he was looking to work with rufio to manage them like wait you know before they signed with the militia group and everything like that before right. so he took me to go see them at showcase and like i watched them and i was like this is dog shit dude this band is terrible like i i but there were so many kids there and i was like i was like this isn't for me but dude, this is totally like, this is good from a sort of business perspective where I'm like, it seems like they've got something going on, but I just remember, uh, they, I do remember them getting so much momentum on the internet, which is what, you know, popped up a lot of people to the fact that, you know, cause I think they played, yeah, they were headlining the showcase off of like a, you know, four song CDR demo or whatever.
4: Right. Well, that's the thing. Like I remember my, my, my best friend, Chris, he, uh, you know, me and him grew up skate punk kids and when he heard Rufio, he's like, this is the best band I've ever heard. Like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. And it was so fast. The, that was like, you know, they were like the first p- skate punk band to like use autotune. Right. So and at the time, we didn't really know that was why he was singing so well in key, because we didn't really know what autotune was yet. Um, but but, you know, that was like a, a whole thing, too. And they were very it was very polished. It was very well recorded. Uh, it was poppy and it was catchy, but it was still like fast and aggressive. Um, and I, I don't know. I think like that was a huge uh, gateway band for like a lot of younger people to figure out what you know. Whoa, why why is this drummer playing so fast? Where did this all come from? Um, you know, and I think that was definitely a thing because it was so. Accessible
3: And it was fresh for that time, too, because, you know, the ashes of a lot of those bands that, you know, we were talking about from the early to mid to late 90s, that scene had kind of started to fade out. So when Rufio came along with a more polished approach, it was perfect timing.
4: Right. And it was a more emo sounding kind of thing. They they sounded a little bit like like Newfound Glory had kind of become big because the whole pop punk thing was getting bigger and the skate punk thing was getting smaller. So they were basically like a skate punk band. With sort of newfound glorious vocals, um, but what I think is interesting about about Rufio and obviously they aren't a band anymore, and they had uh, quite a big success, like a really bright for a second, and then it kind of just faded away really fast. I feel like the skate punk people, um, and I did like the band for the record, but um, the skate punk people didn't like them because they were too poppy, and the pop punk pe- people didn't like them because they were too fast.
3: Yeah and they really did they really didn't know which way to go. Right. I also remember, too, they would be playing, because <clears throat> they, they were, they were even though they were from Southern California, they were more uh, inland. So, like, uh, they were from Rancho Cucamonga, which is like, you know, no band is ever from Rancho Cucamonga. And so, it, it was, they would play. Was sh- it Backside from
4: Rancho Cucamonga?
3: They were from Corona. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, so, it, it, it technically was part of, like, the Inland Empire. So, Corona, San Bernardino, right. all that stuff. But it was, yep. like, they would play shows out there at, like, you know, some random hall and then like a thousand kids would show up. It was just like, because they were like the local heroes for that area. It, it would just be, I remember going to one show out there with my friend Nick and I was like, dude, these kids like like 80 percent of the kids that are at this show have never gone to a show before this is amazing
4: right right so is that so in your you know younger days of like before you kind of figured out oh i feel i'm feeling this feelings and i don't like this and i can't really describe it did you was there a lot of jealousy did you feel about this band kind of being able to blow up kind of overnight and have all these young fans that were like you know we used to call them posers mm-hmm. like uh you know was was that, was that a thought in your head? Was that, was that, was it, did it feel personal or did, why was it that you disliked the band so much? Was it, or was it just simply the music?
3: Yeah, sonically, I just didn't because like the yeah. the, the, the guy the kids were nice in the band like they were total just like goof, right. goofballs like everything that they exhibited in their music was exactly who they were as people. Um, I just never yeah I, ne- I never cared for the music because the jealousy never came in from bands that were uh, in different genres of okay yeah yeah because it was usually the the jealousy arose from I wouldn't even call it jealousy but just the like the sheer mind blowing nature and I'm sure you've felt this over time where these bands that you exist in the same world for all of a sudden they start to get you know large and you're just like i can't believe that this band is selling out the opera house you know like i can't like <laughs> yeah it's more so of a perplexion and not of a fact that you are like oh god dude i can't believe we can't sell at the opera house even though that may be a part of your younger brain but you're not like outward, right. outwardly verbalizing it but it's a, it's a very good point though
4: no totally i mean it's the, the jealousy in in the scene all scenes i mean we're going way off track here for a second but it does exist and it can be any it can be from anything from yes yeah, selling out a show to like oh draven sponsored this band but they won't sponsor us dude. you know what i mean holy holy shit like
3: what a deep cut draven <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh i just oh i went there
0: dude i love that that is so good <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah but no it's true it's like you they had the misfit shoes it was cool i know i know you do see these little things that pop up and like they don't you just all of a sudden be get so like affected by it you're like why does this band have this and we don't have this it's like well because you're not that band like i don't know how to, how to describe
4: that i know i know people take it personally it's it's a, it's quite it's quite an interesting thing man.
3: hit on my last uh pick because this I'm is, ready. this uh this is veered away from the list that I sent you. Well, I sent I sent oh, it to you okay. I sent it to you at one point, but anyways, it's uh it's a band called Straight Faced. So, one could argue that they lean way more in the uh hardcore genre than technically skate punk, but the the prism that I view this band in is very much it they are so unique like there's really only two bands that exist in this weird what i like to call a brocore genre yes so it, honestly straight face and ignite are the epitome yes. of brocore where they are a hardcore band by sonics but they are a complete, completely a punk band because they have very little breakdowns um right. and they have the aesthetic of like a punk band um but then yeah so i don't know straight face anyways the the uh the record is called broken and we'll we'll play the song show me your gun which is about anti-violent stuff um but they were so i I loved them i thought they were absolutely incredible i saw them a ton of times but it was the audience that came to the shows here in southern california was very much of your typical you know dudes in long dicky shorts with like white beaters and just like You know, you would never see them at like an, a quote unquote actual hardcore show, but they would go to this and then you know love it, and then obviously in the same breath like love a band like Pennywise or whatever. Um, sure, but yeah, Straightface was just and then they signed to Victory Records, which I was just like, whoa, this is wild! Like they went from Fearless to Victory because they wanted to be more in the hardcore scene. But I thought Straightface was on Epitaph. Uh, they also put they put out uh, their later records on Epitaph. They actually may have only. Oh, okay. Yeah, they may have only put out a seven inch on victory. Yeah. You're right. You're right.
4: Right. But- yeah. No, that's interesting. They, they tried to go for that. And it's funny, you know, like, and again, West coast and East coast, h- hardcore ideas, ideals were so different. Like, you know, even a band like strife was there. I'd say 10, 10, out of 10 people would say, Oh, it's a hardcore band. But that was so much different than like a lot of like more metallic hardcore that existed like in my area. With like, you know, like Earth Crisis being the biggest one or Spread the Disease or like all these, you know, yeah. those bands. And and the second that you went further on the punk side, like Straight Face did, uh, or if you didn't have any affiliation in terms of like you're a not – there's no one in the band that's vegan. There's no one in the band that's straight edge or anything. Like if those things were removed, then like you're, you're a punk band and you don't even belong in hardcore anymore. And hardcore kids can be so elitist. Um, that I would I would say like Face is way more of a punk band
3: uh, yeah oh totally
4: I really I really would especially being aligned with with fearless and and uh, uh I guess later on epitaph
3: yeah yeah oh no I I to- yeah. I totally agree it was just like but they uh when they first started to put out like they put out their first record called guilty which I think eventually got re-released by fearless but right when that came out, they were totally just like hunting to Beach hardcore. Like that was like their I don't think they actually had it on their merch or anything, but right. it was just, it was such a, such a unique band because like there's really few, like I mentioned at the top, there's few bands that exist in the genre that can like toe the line between both of those scenes so well right? and still be successful at it while not bumming out one side or the other too much where it's like, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, if the singer of straight face went up there and was just like, all right, everybody, like you should think about vegetarianism. The pugs would be like, fuck you.
2: <laughs> right,
4: like, right. Uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. They pulled Is the- that other band, other band I never saw play, but there's similar sound. Uh, Heckle, do you remember Heckle?
3: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were a similar
4: kind of band too, like that, where they were like a hardcore band, like, but they were kind of punk. But they were on like hopeless records too, so they were even more far removed from like you know what hardcore was. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's. It is an interesting thing, I mean, back then, how, how there was these, the lines were blurred, but not that blurred.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And and especially to, like, remain successful, you know, like, the being able to put out multiple records for a longer period of time, yeah. because it's like, that's, you know, it, it's always the joke, especially in the hardcore scene, like, you know, your, your typical sort of, like, bridge nine hardcore, where it's like, if you put out two full lengths, and you're a band that sounds like, you know, Half Hard or Count Me Out or whatever, that's like oh my god you've made it like you put out two full lengths and you still exist in tour like wow but then it's true but straight no
4: i mean i mean straight face was around i count they must have put out like four four or five records probably right
3: yeah i think so by the time that they ended up um disbanding and it's so funny too because then i my brain always thinks of like dude what are those guys what are those guys doing now like because you know none of them went on to like start any of their bands or anything like that at least to my knowledge but uh I just want to know. It's like, I would, I would love to talk to the singer from straight face. Like I, me and 10 other people would like that, but it's just, what are they doing now? I don't know. You should look into that, man. I know. I actually did a little uh, research a while ago, trying to find out about those guys, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't really find,
4: <laughs> find, well, people. we'll do, we'll do a punk part two. Where are they now? E- edition. <laughs> I'll find out where, where diesel Dave is and, uh, Scott from Rufio and, uh, Tom from Bigwig, you know, I'll, I'll get to the bottom of it. Actually, Tom from Bigwig, like up until a couple years ago, he would randomly call me all the time. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he called me. He's like, because he, we played like a festival in Quebec or something with them once, and I like love Bigwig. So yeah, he like would just call me like, hey man, what's up? I'm going to be like in Toronto. And, like I'm like, oh, I'm going to be on tour. He's like, oh, we should hang out sometime. I'm like this is so weird.
3: I lo- <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's <laughs> dude. It's so weird when people like you look up to like call you like that like I'll, I'll never forget the first time like i came home living with my parents like i was maybe 18 19 just started to play out with taken and my mom had uh, like left a note on my door saying uh mike hartsfield called and mike hartsfield is like the owner of new age records and played it right. spoken and like you know legendary hardcore dude from here in southern california and i was like he had just started that band at Memon 18 and i was just like what the fuck Mike Hartsfield like who what why is this guy calling me and then like once I started to like speak to him I was just like oh this guy's really nice and it became
2: (laughs) suck on that you bitch ass trick
3: Shane, I think we did it. I think we accomplished the very We did it. the, we the things. <laughs> well, thank you. There was
4: a lot. I hope people enjoy it. I have really enjoyed t- talking about this stuff, and it really made me think about music that's so near and dear to my heart, really. so
3: Yeah, no, I. And thanks I, a lot
4: for, for having me, Ray.
3: Oh, dude, it's my absolute pleasure. There was no other person that I was like, hey, you and I could have drilled down into like seven different musical genres, but I'm very glad we drilled down to skate punk. It's perfect. listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
5: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
4: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone
0: seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18
2: plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust,